welcome to risk roundup mediterranean region that once had so completely represented the interaction and integration of different cultures communities and collaboration between different uh, citizens from different nations from across you know both the sides surrounding the mediterranean sea is now at crossroads today the crucial superhighway of transport trade and cultural exchange that encircles almost three continents western asia north africa and southern europe seems to be in sh total shambles today the mediterranean region that today faces a number of critical security risk facing its nations its government industries organizations and academia in short referred to as ngioa in not only geospace but also in cyberspace these risks and issues range from the escalation of extremism to nationalism to armed trade socio economic constraints cyber warfare and so much more from the syrian refugee crisis to the ongoing terrorist attacks and from cyber breaches to cyber warfare the stability and security of mediterranean nations its government industries organizations and academia is failing right in front of our very eyes there is a growing concern that the mediterranean region security has become such a complex challenge that it would impact not only those nations but all nations many feel that framing effective security solutions seems to be impossible for the region so the question today is how to bring the safety security and stability to not only the mediterranean region but all conflict driven regions how to bring stability and security to the world we live in to discuss this further i'm delighted to welcome vasilios demiras vasilios is a ceo and chairman of geo strategic forecasting corporations uh, welcome vasilios we are delighted to have you on risk round up thank for the and thank you for the invitation wonderful uh, vasilios so history says that the mediterranean region has in the past very proudly shared common space common concerns common risks common opportunities and a common heritage now while the mediterranean region is made of a number of smaller regions today from a historical perspective it has been a very lively region in the past through which exchange of so much knowledge so much ideas innovations technologies people and values were established so beautifully so the question today is why is it in chaos today and what has made it so vulnerable well the the situation is that we have a diverse civilizations that uh, on and off they have coexisted but also they have created conflicts uh, in order to understand that we can apply some huntingtons the class of civilizations that see different civilizations they're competing for the same economic and geostrategic interests that come to they class each other and Mediterranean, and especially Eastern Mediterranean, they are the birthplace of three monotheistic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And especially now with the new kind of resurgence of that kind of extreme Islam, we have the issue of the ISIS that comes from a non-state actor, wants to become a state actor and create an Islamic caliphate, comes to a conflictual kind of relationship with all, even with the Arab countries, and also with the European uh, nation states, and, the, and also with Israel. That creates that kind of 
conflagration that we have all that kind continuous kind of conflict. And obviously, major powers, even from the ancient times, when we had Persia and the ancient Greeks and Romans and the Byzantines, and in more modern times, the British and the Americans, they try to stabilize the region and create a stability. And now, currently, because we have also the withdrawal of the United States as a major player, or like us leading from behind, we have more that kind of exacerbation of these conflicts. And goes even in Turkey now, that's a NATO country. We have also Greece that is a failing state. Italy has an economic problem, Spain, Portugal. You have all these kinds of, in Europe, in Northern Africa, that's in the Mediterranean, you have also the Arab Spring that creates also problems. And it's in a way a cultural, political, uh, military kind of, a combined kind of conflict and economic. Yes, yes, no, that is a good point and good analysis. Now, the complex security risk from cyberspace and geospace compel each nation and its components, that means the government, industries, organizations, and academia, to undertake new approaches and new, new initiatives in the Mediterranean region. What approach and step can Mediterranean region and all its nations can take individually and collectively for the region's stability, safety, and security? What can they do? Well, you have the major component, uh, you have the European Union, but the European Union uh, happened due to economic reasons, cannot do a military kind of, uh, or a security kind of uh, component. You have NATO. NATO, uh, together with the United States, because the United States create NATO, can provide the security. And also, providing that kind of security, you can have uh, economic prosperity in obviously in Europe. In, in the Middle East, we have the problem that how you change the societies to accept uh, and welcome uh, economic opportunities. And that also is the kind of the culture, the issue of Islam. You have a whole debate mainly in, the, in Europe and United States, what is Islam? It's a religion, but it's a religion that expands to politics, economics, and social life. And mm -hmm. With the, with the countries who, the Islamic countries or the Muslim countries who want to develop, you see that they even they break away from that kind of uh, monolithic approach of Islam. If you see Jordan, Egypt, I mean, Egypt is considered to be a secular state, or even Turkey. Now Turkey goes backwards. And you have that kind of debate, but very few people, they do the, the debate inside these countries and how they can adapt or even welcome the new uh, technological creations and achievements. We had even since 90, since the collapse of the Soviet Union in the 1990s, we had the new emergence of democratization. We have the issue of uh, globalization. And in the Middle East, still, they struggle to accept these ideas or even they try to create walls not to accept these ideas. However, the terrorists, they use these ideas to expand their own, their own uh, criminal kind of ideas. I mean, they, they, go, they go the wrong way. But it's the idea how these countries, and you have even scholars from this case, they say, it's that kind of culture, how they create these kinds of walls 
they cannot adapt, they cannot fully democratize. And we have even this kinds of democratization, you see even in Egypt, you had the Muslim Brotherhood taking winning the elections. You don't want to have that kind of groups winning elections. Tunisia eh, tries to survive on and off. Libya, again, is now you have all the tribal kind of problems that are there. And that is a problem. And again, that we use Turkey as an example to a different direction from the Kemal era. Yes, yes, yes. Now, these are very, very complex challenges. Now, when we look at the political realities of the region, do you think that the current efforts to manage conflict and bring cooperation, collaboration and peace, are those initiatives working? The, the way that the, the Europeans, they do it they, they, with the issue of the open borders and the issue that how it doesn't work because they want to exclude the issue of security. If you don't have security, if you don't provide security, you cannot have collaboration, you cannot have peace. And we see what happened even in Germany. With the, Europe has a demographic problem. And what they came to understand that said, well, if we have these refugees as an immigrants and they work for us, we can support the welfare state. And they didn't even get who was coming to France, to Germany, and to other European countries. And we have that kind of problem in France, in Germany, and especially what happened that attacking women in Sweden, and so on. But still, the European politicians, instead of saying, let's sit down and rethink and redesign this policy, they say, no, 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 no. We'll continue to do the same thing, and they see it as an anomaly, that something, or oh, we have some ex extreme elements, but we need more to be accommodated, accommodated to, to them. But the thing is that uh, the other interesting thing, when you have refugees, a refugee is a family, uh, old people, these people are 20 years old, that they are pretend to be refugees, some of them. And even now, they said even this, the German Intelligence, they say, we have jihadists inside Germany. But it's the politicians from both sides in Europe, even from the left and even from the right, that they view that they don't want to realize that that model that they created needs to be fixed. For this reason, withdraw or wants to withdraw from the European Union. Because states, they need to protect their own citizens. And fine, can be open. You want to work with other states, but that kind, I mean, if you don't have security, you don't have the other. There are some who say that the biggest challenge of the Mediterranean region is the lack of common regional identity. But there are so many different nations. They all have, a lot of them have different language. A lot, lot of them have different religion and different way of living. So amidst such diversity, how can we expect a common regional identity? And should there even be a need of common regional identity? Because we are all going towards a digital global age, where each and every nation is eventually going to be integrated, interconnected. And all they all are going to work towards a you know, bigger purpose, a higher purpose. So how, why are these challenges so severe in Mediterranean region? Because uh, the, you, uh, in this region we have ethnic nations, and also in other regions, similar things, but in this region you have ethnic nations with long histories. 
they can have some kind of integration, but to have a political integration is very difficult. The Greeks think like Greeks, the Italians think like an Italians. I mean, you can say that they are the Europeans, but again, comes back in Italian, in Greek, in Portuguese, in Spanish. Now, in uh, Northern uh, Africa, that is in the Mediterranean region, they have their own thinking. But you can create some economic collaboration that can bring some understanding, that can bring people together. But in order to have that, you need to have that security stability that NATO did it in, in, uh, in Europe. And even they did some collaborations, the Partnership for Peace with Egypt, Israel, and other countries in the region. However, now that we have this shifting, this tectonic movement in the Middle East, and we don't know who is the, uh, the will be the next government, it will be pro-Western, a dictatorship, a totalitarian state or whatever, it's very difficult to prognosticate or to shape some kind of collaboration. But that doesn't mean that we need to be withdrawn. We need to be very active, and especially now that we have the, the energy issues there, the development and so on and so forth. But again, it needs to have long, short goals and long goals. But when you have democracies in a democracies or republics, people are impatient. They want easy solutions. And even if we see it here, how the elections happen, both political parties, even one that we can say from the democratic side is more utopian, more on the issue, they don't want to touch so much security. But even from the other side, that the more the realistic approach, uh, both they, they promote easy solutions without long-term kind of uh, approach. Even if we see Trump, he likes NATO, no, I don't like NATO, or I need to be out of NATO, no, I will be in NATO. You know, that kind of fluctuation also gives you the wrong kind of signal. On the other side, Again, with that kind of the utopian approach, you cannot design security. And if you don't have security, you cannot have collaboration. You cannot have cultural collaboration because you need to have a secure environment to do that kind of stuff. That's true. That is true. Now, when we look at the economic development of two shores of the Mediterranean region, they have completely different records. The northern Mediterranean states, that is the nations, are very prosperous they have very prosperous industrial economies and they are which which are inter interdependent with you know many of the european nations now the southern mediterranean states economy they are not that advanced they still you know are highly dependent on the agriculture tourism and things like that so why are there so much differences on two shores for the economic development and advances the issue is culture, but even if we analyze or dissecting the economic development in Europe or in Southern Europe, they develop more fast with the European Union. However, now that them even has problems because we have that kind of a huge welfare state. Yes. It's even, we had the problem with Greece, Cyprus, Greece, Italy, Spain and Portugal and Ireland. Well, Ireland is not part of the Mediterranean region, but what was the issue? They developed some of the economy, some they did a service economy, Spain uh, and Portugal. Italy has also some interest that they're state-owned. Greece, who entered the European Union, eventually didn't produce anything. 
they were getting the grants and the loans and all this stuff, and they went also to their own political clients. And they create kind of a superficial development. And now what you have the problem, you have even in these economies, you need to go to become more capitalistic, to change, to, to, to construct the state. Because the state became so huge and tried to find clients. The same also Cyprus. These countries, they can develop maybe a service kind of industry. That means you can have computers, you can have that kind of uh, industry that you can, uh, you can find unemployment, you can uh, train your young generations and create centers of opportunities. Yes, yes. Now, based on... Yeah. Excuse me? Yes, now based on your assessment, what is the major yes. challenge to the creation of a Mediterranean community that is complementary and not competitive. Because if you look at it, so many nations, it seems they are trying to be very competitive where they cannot be competitive and they would rather be complementary to each other's strength, but they are focused on just the competition and for which they likely don't have the enough resources that they need. The complement can happen uh, if they like then some in uh, Libya was also part, but now Libya has civil war. The complement can happen in the energy that can happen between Greece, Cyprus, and Egypt, but it's very difficult to happen between Greece, Cyprus, and Turkey because they have also geostrategic interests. Different, you have also other problems that create Israel, Cyprus, and Greece can have also a collaboration, but again, when you have uh, both in Cyprus and in Greece, structures, political structures that they are dying or try to survive, it's difficult to move forward. Right, right. And and for right. example, right now, if we see the issue of Greece, in order for Greece to move forward, you need to change the structure. And it's a good example because I think it's for the first time we speak for a nation state without facing a war that needs to have a reconstruction before do anything else, does anything else. Yes. Now, yes. Italy, now we speak in Italy, that needs to change the whole, again, civil servants, public sector structure. And, mm -hmm. that is, and if they take time to take these measures, you create, the problem remains and became more uh, huge, uh, greater and greater and greater. That takes time to solve it. Yes. Now, obviously, United States can play a catalyst. But again, you need to have the right people, the, the, a fertile uh, environment that even the catalysts can work with the local population and so on. Now, uh, with uh, Egypt and Tunisia and Morocco, uh, can, can be a good example that can have a collaboration. Algeria, they try, they have also the problem again with the Islamic uh, problem there, and they try with elections and so on. But again, is how always you had also a you had an outsider you had the United States that can come in. Russia, who tries to to come again, Russia is very narrow in their own interest, and especially with Syria. And so, and so, China doesn't care. China wants to do business. Doesn't care if the guy is a dictator, is a demo, whatever. I mean, if you do business with China, okay, they will do business. If they see something that they can work, I mean. They can, I mean, they are in Africa because they want the, uh, the materials and so on. They are in Greece because they see through the port can go to the European Union. But they don't care what the government will be. 
That is true. They are purely business focused. Now, um, Mediterranean region, I mean, we have seen for last so many years that they are suffering from so much terrorism and organized crime. Now, there are reports that some nations are sponsoring terrorism in their desire to become a regional power. So what efforts can be made to address such complex risk when you know the, it's the nation states that is sponsoring the terrorism and uh, crime to become a regional power? How, how would you go address when, that? When we had the Bush doctrine, we said that we are not going to allow that kind of states uh, to survive or to exist, or not states, regimes. That means we do a regime change. We did it in Iraq, well, we did it in Afghanistan, and after we did it in Iraq, takes time. But also, the, the problem is that uh, with, the, with the Obama administration, even the defense secretaries told him you need to remain in Iraq. That means in order to fight terrorism, you need to have a superpower to be committed to fight that kind of uh, terrorism, even with the allies, even with NATO. But again, is we live in a, in, a, in a time that due to the internet, I like the internet, I like technology, but also when I'm teaching, you have young people that they want easy and fast solutions. And in order to fight terrorism, it takes time. Yes. And now people, they don't, uh, they don't uh, see that kind of, they, oh, no, I want, you know, something easy, something in one month, in two months or whatever, that takes time. Now the debate happened here even in the United States because what happened in Europe and what happened in the United States and came again in the forefront of the issue of terrorism. Most of the time in a democracy, when you have elections or when you have debates, is the economy. The defense, and especially, I mean, if you go even in Europe, defense is very low, very low in down there. I mean, very low. The main thing, even if you are a politician in Europe, the big ministers that you want to take is the health department, economics because you have the money, uh, social development, stuff like that. Defense comes very, very low, the bottom. And now they realize that England is like us and, and try, I mean, they focus on defense. But uh, because also Europe and also here in the United States, we had a long period with no global war and people became very complacent. And they see distant kind of names that they cannot pronounce, and so on and so forth. That even when I'm taking some time, okay, why we need to know that? It's so distant for us. Okay, maybe we can protect if we have, if we are strong military, but nobody can come here. That is fine. Yes. And that will, that is, a, and especially with ISIS. ISIS is ready, it has become a state now, a state by itself. Yeah. Yes. And that needs to go out and we need to focus and take care also of that problem. Yes. So do you see a role that United States has to play in the future of Mediterranean security? It is a role. And they had to play it before. But for me, I'm afraid that we don't want to play that kind of a role anymore. Because even with the, the debate that I see, both political parties, the people that they belong to, both political parties, they view that the system in, is rigged, it's a corrupt system. They approach it in a different ways, but they view that the system is corrupt. And they want to change, or they want to get out of that system.
But getting out of the system, you create a vacuum that somebody else can fill the vacuum that they are not going to do the things that you like to do. And mm -hmm. that is a problem. And uh, the global economy, yes, it's not, nothing is perfect or that is not perfect. But if you want to change, you can change. But you cannot say, I'm going to get out. Well, how you can, okay, you're getting out. What are you going to do if you get out? Even the American uh, market cannot consume what America produces. And yeah. th th that is the thing. And interesting enough, other countries, like, for example, I study India, that how India changed its foreign policy. It became more realistic because they saw the reality that up now they didn't want the non-alignment issue. And they changed. And here, and they want to emulate, they want to be with the United States, they want to emulate some of the United States. But here, we say, oh, no, 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 now we don't want to have anything to do with that kind of stuff. Because of yeah, so, and that is the, the life of a country. When a country becomes more powerful, more powerful, what he wants? He wants security. Yes, security. And with the issue of Kara, uh, with, uh, Kashmir and so, and other problems that have. That means they want security. Because even if the Middle East goes more and go to Pakistan, go, I mean, they want security. And here we sit, oh no, we can be out of that. Well, you cannot be out of that. Because even if you try to avoid war, maybe the war wants you, tries to bring you, because when you have a chaotic geostrategic situation. In the Mediterranean, even if you, with the issue of the energy, with the issue of the commercial routes, if you don't have stability, if you don't have the sixth fleet there, you go to create a vacuum. That that vacuum will be filled by people or states that you don't like to have it. Yes. But again, yes. you need to have a design. Always, even when I when I talk to businessmen, because sometimes businessmen they don't like to talk about security. They feel that it's very politicized or very negative and stuff. But I said you need to understand and know your environment. If you don't understand and know the environment, you cannot be safe or secure to have a stable business. We have to consider all the variables. You're right. Now, yeah. the civil war in Syria, what do, you, what do you see is the effect on the Mediterranean region? Oh, the effect is tremendous because you have a, a, you have a civil war. You don't know what that civil war will go to end. And even when they will end, you don't know who will be in power. I believe Syria will go like that for years. Uh, Russia has stabilized uh, Assad. They want to have Assad because they want to have some strategic access to Syria naval base and so on. But that can have a spillover effect even to Lebanon, even now to Turkey, the way that Turkey goes, the Kurds and so on. And also you have ISIS. That means in the areas that you don't have a Syrian kind of government, you have ISIS. That ISIS wants to do the, the caliphate. That means you you have a failed state, or in a way you have Syria on a map, but you don't have any any governmental organization the way that we think, and you have ISIS that they try to fill the vacuum. Yes. And in the in the like ISIS or, or Assad, they are not united in order to create a new Syria, and I think that will take will be for years to come. That, will, that eventually uh, will have 
I'm, I'm not happy, I'm not oh, the, the scholar that says, oh, we can redraw borders and so on and so forth, but will be maybe a, a, a Syria that maybe the neighbors, they want to take advantage eventually. I don't know, but I don't see any light in the end of the tunnel because we don't know. We don't know. Even if Assad successfully remain, he doesn't have the same power as before. Now, it is said that the following the current destabilization of Syria and given the vulnerability of Iraq, Libya and some other nations, the Middle East is entering into a very uncertain path from an energy security viewpoint. Where does it go from here? It's very uncertain. For this reason, even in the United States, and even we say that we need to give that even to the European allies, they do that fragging, that in a way that we do the drilling here and we have become more an oil-producing country. And now we have more oil that they, they demand, we have more supply that demands. But they, for them, it's very uncertain because you don't want uh, these resources to go to their own hands and you don't want to have long political stability. But also with the governments in Iraq, it's go, I don't know if it's a full democracy, it goes back and forth. And if we go south of the border in Saudi Arabia, you have also there they face some potential political upheaval with the, with the monarchy. And again, it's how we cannot go out and fix every single state. But again, is this kind of, if we can prevent these upheavals or predict that a great kind of a kind of protection for the economy. But the even if the United States becomes more and more oil independent, we don't want to see a, an unstable, a destabilized Middle East and the oil goes to the wrong people because Europe is still depending from the Middle East. Interesting enough, going to Iraq. Uh, we need to see the history. The Romans, for centuries, tried to unite Middle East and Europe. And the United States tries to do that. Why? Because Europe is dependent also on the Middle East oil. Yes. But again, we don't... Is, uh, when you design a strategy, and that I say to both political parties, you need to be firm and determined. If you go and you do it and you get out and you do it again, you don't have the results that you want to have. Despite that, even if you are determined, you have different cultures, you have different people, you need to talk, you need to adapt and so on and so forth. But the Middle East uh, has so much upheaval that I don't know sometimes how you can change that or curtail that anymore. The upheaval is, is, is tremendous. I know, even study the history, maybe during the Middle Ages, never, I, I, as I remember when I was growing up, the Middle East had that kind of upheaval. Yeah. Now, the natural gas findings in offshore Israel and uh, some other nations, it seems that they can help reshape the regional energy map and rapidly transform the Eastern Mediterranean into a world-class natural gas producer. Now, when that happens, what shift in geopolitics do you see as a result? Israel can be, uh, play a major geopolitical role due to that uh, gas, uh, natural gas uh, sources. 
The only thing now we have so much supplies that even from Israel we are very slow developing. Even during the end of during the beginning of 2000, you had all these wars of the pipelines, and now we have so much supply that even that went down. Because why you need to be pipelines if you have people they you cannot throw so much because the price can go so low and you don't gain anything. Can play a very important role because Israel in the region and also in Europe and globally. Uh, but again, is if you have your neighbors to be destabilized, you have also how you can uh, sustain that role. Or, because obviously, they have a good military, they have a good alliance with the United States. But again, in the environment that they live, you have that kind of the, a problem again of that kind of stability. Yes. Now, with the... Since they found these natural gas uh, uh, um, minerals, they have brought some um, American companies on, they have did some treaties with Cyprus and Greece, but I have not seen any mass production on that. Because again, it's the supplies and so on and so forth. And even now with Turkey, despite that they approach a new kind of alliance with Turkey, now Erdogan goes back on the, to become more Islamic. I mean, you have another kind of in the equation, another element that you don't know which way it will go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, the energy corridors or supply and transit route, uh, it seems that the security risk there is growing. There are a lot of, you know, uh, local terrorist attacks happening on the pipelines and all that. Do you, How are these risks going to be managed? Uh, I mean, first of all, is that information correct? And if it is, then how are we going to manage this kind of supply, you know, security risk? It is correct. We have we don't have any terrorist activity, but it is correct that they want to to target this uh, pipeline. We don't have any 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 terrorist activities because they build the pipeline. They don't have any in, in, in flow coming yet. They are in in the stage of building. You have private companies that they will provide that kind of security. Uh, and, but however, now, uh, one pipeline that was to come from Azerbaijan to Turkey, to Greece, to Albania, and go to Italy, again, I don't know what will happen. They start building it, and I'm sure even Erdogan will, want, will continue want to build in that. But again, if Erdogan goes out and out so severely, what will be the stability Turkey? and so on, and also with the issue of the Azerbaijan. But even if you have these kinds of security companies, the private security companies, if the situation goes to the extremes, you need to have, again, a, a, some type of government, government to step in like a military, the local military or whatever, to take care of the situation. Because even these kinds of the companies cannot sustain if they have a extreme security crisis and so on. Right, right. Now, you I, I, I believe that we don't have any terrorist activity there because they are uh, they are designing, uh, they are building the pipelines. The terrorists will attack them if they want to create uh, a severe uh, stop to the flow of, of of gas. Right now, even if they do it, nothing will happen. They, they is they in the stage of building, but if they the flow goes. That will, the same will happen with uh, Russia and Ukraine. 
because you have all this influx coming to Europe and Ukraine with the gas flow, and Putin was trying to play, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on. Yes. That is how can influence governments and people and so on, and private companies. Yes. Now, when we look at Egypt, I mean, it seems that they have a lot of natural gas reserves, but we still hear so much about their massive power shortages. What do you think is the reason behind that? Because again, it's the structure. You can have the you can have the resources, but if you don't have the structure, the resources remain on the ground. I will do a parallel, not again about the resources. in Greece. Uh, they pass a law to allow cruise ships to harbor in Greece, foreign cruise ships. How they pass that law? Since then, they have not done anything. Why? Because you don't have the structure. That means you can you can have the 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 materials or the resources, but if you don't have the infrastructure, you cannot do anything, and you can have the same uh, the same problem. The same in the Soviet Union or even in Russia. They are oil producing uh, country, but because they don't have the technology, they lose a lot of oil on the sideline. They brought down some American companies uh, that they try to fix that you have the same problem in the structure, the economic structure. That means the same with Egypt. And now in Egypt, what's happening? Uh, they have the political problem. I mean, even now that the military has stabilized, but again, they have the problem. Also, the state is... Uh, they want an open economic environment, but they don't think the same way as we think. That means, again, is the culture and other things. That takes time, and if the government wants to move that way, they seem that they want to move that way. But again, for them, if you sit in Cairo, what is your first priority? If you see that is terrorism and the Muslim Brotherhood my first priority, I will put the sources there. Also, in these kinds of states, when they want to recreate the structure, they try to find people that they trust. That means you create a client state. That you go to find somebody that I trust not to overthrow me, that I trust them. The same was happening in Iraq, even until recently. What governments did? They will hire people from the same village or their relatives because, well, I trust him. I'm not going, they are not going to kill me. Yeah. And that is the thing. And that is the thing that at the time. And uh, again, I don't know. I mean, that is up to the local governments that they can change so on. But right for Egypt, I see that is the main thing is the stabilization, not to have a resurgence of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, based on how the energy industry, energy dynamics are changing, uh, what do you see its impact on the geopolitical environment in the Mediterranean region? I believe that uh, the Mediterranean region to survive, they have a lot of opportunities you need to have a, a strong uh, American presence and NATO presence to take care of the issue of security. The European Mediterranean countries, they need to redesign their own economy to become more free market friendly and re-educate uh, the young generations on that kind of the environment. On the Middle on the uh, countries that they are a part of the Northern Africa and North Africa and Middle East, they need to 
and that will be the difficult task to try to adapt and go beyond that kind of the string religious interpretation of life in order to adapt to that kind of uh, a, a societal openness and a free market approach. Yes. Now, and the, the, issue, now the, and the other issue that we, need, we didn't discuss so much, the issue also the element of how you view women in the working force as a scientist, so on and so forth. That yes. even ICE has created a new way about the issue of slavery and so on regarding women. Now, the, there are so many oil and gas pipelines, you know, in, the, in that region. Are any of that at risk? Right now, uh, not so much. But if we continue, they will be at risk. They will be at risk because the more that we have that kind of chaos, there is you cannot you have a higher risk to have that kind of instability and threat. A threat. One thing that I do from my company is that kind of we call it security assessment or threat assessment. That you try to forecast potential threats and how to prevent it. But again, it's a private companies. They can do. They like to know that. But after is the issue of money how to spend, because if we have a private company to spend on that, it's to raise the prices to their own clients. Sometimes they don't like that. And also private companies, they don't uh, want to see that they militarize their environment, because they can be, they view that it will be more, they will create more targets for them. Yes. Now, now a lot of people say that the material is an indicator of world quality. Do you agree? Do you see that uh, comparison? Yeah, I mean, Mediterranean is part of the, of the global system, and politics play a role, and uh, personalities who get involved in politics, they play a role. And in a democracy, if you are a democracy, it's how the people, who they vote, and how they are active. In a dictatorship, again, is different elements, is the dictator, or the despot, or the or the monarch and so on, but in uh, in if we see the the democracy, the Mediterranean, you have people that have become very complacent yes. to think the wider issue of Mediterranean. Right, right, right. Now there are, there have been so many geopolitical analyses done, and it is still happening, you know, for that region. Now many of the analyses conducted so far. They rely on hard security issues, meaning like weapons of mass destruction, drug trafficking, terrorism, and those kind of things. But very rarely you will see that anyone addresses the socioeconomic, cultural differences, education, and all that as a part, as a direct, you know, indicator or directly responsible for the security of that region but it seems that when we look at material region those are the you know risk variables that play a very important role in the overall security of the region if people are not educated if people are not uh, you know informed if they don't have understanding about several things if there is so much of socioeconomic you know uh, crisis so much cultural differences then they all come and play a role in the overall security of the region. So do you think that there's a need for a new approach where we look at all these you know, different risk variables 
and come up with a comprehensive security analysis for that? Well, uh, the problem all for that they need the, the cultural connectivity and education and to study history, but sometimes they like to whitewash history. I am for to study history and see the facts. Because sometimes in Europe, when they try to do that, they try to, why, oh, we don't need to talk about that war, you know, we upset the thing. No, you study history and you analyze uh, what, why things happen. You cannot just cover up and say, oh, you don't need to do that. I mean, let's talk about more nicer things. But that can be an element because you learn from history. I mean, not to use history in order to become aggressive, but you can learn from history and say, well, why did that happen? Why we went to war? that time what was the element what was the causes because even if white even when you white cause uh, white was the history you don't learn anything you create again an imaginary kind of uh, world that you want to have and that is very difficult to have to takes time and to happen but yes they can happen that and you can have that kind of uh, interactiveness and you have that i mean the english and turkey they had that even it was not perfect but they had that now with Erdogan that goes backwards, I don't know what would happen. I think we'll, have, we'll want a different kind of approach. But again, when you have there, what happened? You had you have NATO, you have the European Union that they try to do that kind of stuff. That means you have another element of political structure that tries to create the environment because you need to have a friendly environment to do that kind of stuff, to feel comfortable that you can do that kind of stuff. Yes. Now, your initiative, the Geostrategic Forecasting Corporation, uh, would you like to say some things about it? What is its approach? What are what is your mission goal? And you know, what are your uh, what is your focus area and what you are trying to achieve through that uh, initiative, so that you know, for the benefit of understanding of our global viewers and listeners. The the, the purpose is that we do we want to educate uh, the public. But also, we want to educate uh, the business community. It can be a security, can be on the oil uh, or the energy, so on and so forth. What is the meaning of the geostrategy and how you can perform and geosecurity and geomilitary and all that kind of the geos that they come? Because if you don't understand that, it's very difficult to perform. You can perform, but your you cannot protect yourself if in a cyber security environment. Many, many times when I talk to CEOs, they don't understand that. I said, well, why I need to have cyber? I mean, I can go, I'm a businessman, I speak about win-win. Well, that doesn't mean anything to sometimes when they want to hack your computer. They want to take your, your secrets and so on and so forth. But the main, the variety is to educate the business community and also the, the wider global uh, population who are interesting about the kind of uh, uh, elements and also uh, trends in the global uh, arena. And in addition, when you do that, you, then you feel more comfortable, comfortable to face the global market. It's very important to know that kind of element. And you can be a, a mathematician or a technology or whatever, but you need to understand your environment. Yes, yes, absolutely. So let's say if you have a, if you are advising a business, you know, entity or a government, you know, or any other entity who is trying to uh, do some business 
in Mediterranean region, what would you tell them about what steps they need to take in this very complex, challenging time? They need to take the issue. Obviously, they need to which country they want to go because they need to understand the economic system. Uh, they need to understand the cultural system, how they want to find the right people to work for them. Also, they need to understand the issue of security and what kind of security, I mean, it depends what kind of company, what kind of security they need to. And understanding that after they need to, when you understand that, you create the right budget and the right economic forecast for your company. Understanding even economics are very unpredictable. Nobody can, in a, in a free market, nobody can control economics. But at least you can create some uh, warning signs to avoid pitfalls. And yes. how, but again, how you want uh, to, to survive in that kind of environment and again, in which country you want to go. Now, with the Middle East, I mean, it's very few that will go in a very troubled region. I mean, you don't have anybody going to, to Syria and so on uh, so far. But even if you go, if we speak about Turkey or, or Egypt, you, you need to understand the political environment and what they're going through. Yes, yes. So that is that is a good, you know, uh, advice and good suggestions. So, uh, Vasilios, thank you so much for your time. You are a busy man, and you spend almost an hour with us to be on Risk Roundup and share your insight and your observations about uh, Mediterranean region and what are the complex challenges they are facing. So, I'm sure our global viewers and listeners are going to benefit tremendously from what you had to say today. So, thank you for participating in thank this. Thank you round. very much. Thank you. Now, it seems that the security issues of the Mediterranean region have very complex interconnections and interdependencies. The current models of conflict prevention to risk management and crisis management seems to be not working and they are not very effective. In a digital global age, any risk management or crisis management effort that is done in silo is, like, is very likely going to fail. There is a need to develop new integrated and GIOA security risk management framework at all levels, global, regional, national, and local, that can manage the complex security challenges facing nations and all its components in a digital global age. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. So let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.